Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Lee Cantor here, another episode of GSU ENI Radio here at Georgia State University. This is the Entrepreneurship and Innovation Institute radio show that we do every month here on the Georgia State University campus. And this is going to be a fun one. we got a return guest, Erica Bracey. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. And then uh, you're here to talk about Launch GSU, the incubator that's been going on now for couple years now right at two years well happy anniversary well thank you thank you uh you want to talk a little bit about the uh, incubator how you serving folks absolutely launch gsu is the student business incubator here at georgia state university the incubator officially opened in february of 2017 as a natural iteration of entrepreneurship here at georgia state university in 1999 georgia state introduced its first vision into entrepreneurship with the H.J. Russell Center. Mm -hmm. And then in 2016, we opened ENI, where we are today, Entrepreneurship and Innovation Institute. And one year later, it was just natural progression. We realized that we are growing and breeding entrepreneurs in the classroom. So the next logical step was to have a place where the students could continue working on their business outside of the classroom, just like very just like regular entrepreneurs, we find that working in a dorm room may not be conducive for working on their business. So they needed a place where they could focus and work on their business outside of normal hours in the evening after classes. So the incubator is a place where the students can come and and connect with each other, connect with their teammates, create their businesses, but also form collaborations and often collisions with each other. They didn't even realize that other resources that they need are right there at the incubator. So it's a special place. So now that's a physical location and where is it located? Yes, we have approximately 3,000 square feet located in the heart of the downtown campus at 58 Edgewood Avenue. And then what, so what's the, tell, talk to me about the space, what, what's in there? So at, at Launch GSU, we have a couple of things. Number one, again, it's a space where the students can work on their business. So we have several computers where the students can work on different things that they're, that they may be creating. We have Macs as well as PCs. Many of our entrepreneurs are in the creative space sure. where they do photography and videography. So we have the editing software that they might not have on their personal computers. We have collaboration stations where many students that have three or four team members can work together, work on presentations. We have open space where just yesterday, CEO, one of our student groups on campus, hosted an open forum meeting where they invited other students of here on campus to come and see what CEO is all about. So in addition to working with their teams, they also have the opportunity to do presentations, which is one of the biggest benefits and features that we offer that I coordinate on a regular basis are the events and the programming throughout the semester for the students. Now, how many people can attend one of these events in that kind of space? The fire marshal says that we can have 200 people. We can have up to 200. The largest event that we've hosted so far had about 75 people and Mm -hmm. that was snug, (laughs) but we, we want this to grow. If we reach capacity, we'll just find another space because the goal is to serve 
all of the students on campus. And then when you say all of the students, it's not just for the business student or the one that's going through the entrepreneurship program. This could be a nursing student. It could be anybody. Absolutely. Anywhere, right? And we find that the students who are members of Launch GSU do come from all across campus with a variety of majors and backgrounds belonging to the various college colleges. It is absolutely not just for business students. As a matter of fact, I think the last time we took a look, the business students made up the minority share of the students at Launch GSU. We have students from all different colleges. So everyone is welcomed. So now how do you get the word out that this exists to all the students? Like how do they even know that this resource is available? It really is a grassroots effort. Many of our members, we charge them. There's, there's no fee for the service. So they're currency, if you will, is to serve as ambassadors for Launch GSU. And their goal is to tell as many other students as possible, bring students to the different events that we offer. Many of our events are offered at lunchtime. So we serve them lunch, which is a nice carrot for them to get them there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So our members serving as ambassadors is one of the biggest ways and most effective ways for us to spread the message. In addition, we do the traditional marketing and advertising on campus to spread the word. Now for you, uh, having been there at the beginning, right, to kind of launch, launch, um, uh, what's been the most rewarding part so far? Seeing students bring their vision to reality has been amazing. We've had several success stories since I joined and became became manager of Launch GSU. Um, my, my greatest success to date prior to one of our guests that we're going to introduce in a moment, I had two student assistants last semester. In addition to the workshops and the programs, I'll do consulting and have open office hours every Tuesday morning. In one of those sessions, a young lady was telling me about her business and how she was growing her marketing firm. And I shared with her to please come and get a chance to meet some of the other members on campus at one of our member connection events, where again, the whole purpose is to create collaboration and allow students to meet each other. During one of those meetings, she had a chance to meet one of my previous student assistants. This young lady who has a business made her first hire. Her first hire was one of the other students at Launch GSU. And that really is that that's the magic happening and unfolding right in front of our eyes. Right. And that's the beauty of these kind of an incubator and just conceptually, right? Absolutely. A lot of times these Failure is part of the deal, right? Like you can't, you try to avoid failure, but that's part, that's going to happen. You can't have every startup be, be successful, success, but you but, want a place for them to land and have these mashups after the fact, right? They absolutely. see like, Hey, this person's really talented. I want them part of my team. And we see that consistently. We share communication through, through group chats. And every day there's someone saying, hey, can someone do a website? Can someone help me with this? Can someone help me with that? So it is wonderful to just watch the students lean on each other and many times learn from each other. Now, uh, this is the kickoff of the school year. I'm sure your work goes on year round. There's no break for you. But for the school year, do you have any upcoming events kind of to get the the incubator kicked off? Absolutely. We have already gotten started real, went from zero to 100 in two days flat. Last week, we hosted three open houses, which I think we're going to continue to do once a month because the students who didn't get a chance to come and visit launch last week, we want to make sure that they get a chance to come and see where we are. So once a month, we're going to be hosting launch open houses. Um. 
we have a series of events coming up in September and October. A lot of education. Majority, yes. The majority of the events revolve around education. We find that, again, many of our students do not come from the School of Business. However, to run a business, you still need to understand the fundamentals. (laughs) So the programming primarily revolves around the traditional subjects of business. On Monday, we have two attorneys. One happens to be a student here at Georgia State. He's coming to talk about legal issues for startups. Mm -hmm. So they're going to come and explain some of the basic legal questions that many entrepreneurs have. Um, We also do some of the traditional programming. Next month, we will have writing a business plan. One of the events that I'm most, the second event that I'm most excited about is our Spirit of Entrepreneurship Fall Crawl, where students are starting to learn about the different resources on campus that support entrepreneurship. We have almost 10 We're going to literally walk around campus to each of those centers so they physically know where they are. a walking tour. Yes, a walking entrepreneurship tour here at GSU. But one of the new events that we are doing for the first time, and I would like to get ready to introduce our next guest here. I have connected with a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, and he's going to bring a new program here on campus, the Cash Flow Game, which is based off a spinoff of Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And we're super excited to bring that to launch GSU. And that's with uh, through Todd Campbell? That is through Todd Campbell. And who, he's here today. He sure is. Welcome, Todd. Welcome. Well, thank you. Hello, everybody. <laughs> um, well, Todd, tell us a little bit about uh, what you're up to and how uh, you got involved with this, with launch. Sure. Um, I was introduced to Erica by uh, a reference from one of our banking contacts when I was uh, doing the cash flow game in Clayton County. Mm-hmm. And that person uh, recommended Erica in the program and thought we had some synergy. So I reached out to her and uh, talked about it. And um, here we are getting a, an event together on the 28th. And then is this the first time you've worked with an incubator like this? Or it you, is. Yeah. Uh, so this is an exciting time for you, right? It to is. kind of educate the young people. Sure, sure. That's definitely what we're trying to do with our program, our financial literacy program. So now tell us a little bit just in general about financial literacy program. What is that doing? Sure. As Erica said, I'm with Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, uh, in particular with the Pi Gamma Lambda chapter. Um, There's also a chapter here on campus, the Zeta Mu chapter. And what we're looking to do is to, I guess, change people's minds, introduce a different concept to kind of supplement what they're learning in the classroom with real-world application. The bigger picture of the financial literacy program is just trying to help communities uh, get financial literacy to better themselves and just have other options. But is this financial literacy from an individual standpoint about, like, I've got to not get in debt, I have to... Make investments, sure. I, you know, because when you have a job, that's one kind of revenue mm-hmm. stream, right? Your job. Yeah. But most people with a lot of money have multiple revenue streams. Absolutely. Absolutely. I am a big proponent of the Robert Kiyosaki philosophy. And so if you ever read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you would understand that. So real briefly, you know, he, what he talks about, there's three types of income. There's earned income, portfolio income and passive income. And what he advocates is taking your earned income that you get from a job and converting it over to portfolio and passive income. And when you build that up to exceed your monthly expenses, you're technically financially free. Well, the whole thing is his book and his board game kind of teaches you how to actually do that. You know, that sounds great in theory and concept, but how do you actually do it? So by playing the cash flow game, you're able to try it out before you get out in real life. And if you play the game over and over, you'll start to see real opportunities in life and that you can apply yourself. 
So now, how does the game get played, uh, like amongst the students at Launch GSU? Well, uh, if you look at some of his marketing materials, he calls it Monopoly um, on steroids, and it really is. What you do, you're given a mock life with, um, I don't know, income, expenses. They give you a life, a scenario, a picture, and then different uh, opportunities are thrown at you, and you have to make a decision on what you want to do with those opportunities. Mm-hmm. And so it's an opportunity to build wealth, an opportunity to build passive income. But like, what's an example of one of the opportunities that might be thrown at me if I play the game? Sure. Uh, do you want to buy a single family house? Do you want to buy a duplex? Do you want to buy stocks? And it's also teaching the strategy. So, for example, if you get a stock card, well, it might give you a trading range. The stock's trading between five and thirty dollars. Today's price is twenty. Well, is that a good buy? Yes or no, and why? Right. Well, another card may come around later, which is reflective of the stock market, and maybe the price drops down to ten dollars. Mm-hmm. Well, then you know you might want to buy it at ten dollars. If it looked good at twenty, it looks twice as good at ten, right? Absolutely. <laughs> but do you understand? That's the point. You know, and it's also showing you patience. The market, because, yeah, it's at 20 or it's at 30. That's not a good time to buy. Well, a lot of mistakes people make, they follow the herd mentality. Right. So everybody bought, I don't know, pick a stock out that's popular it, now. It doesn't matter, but yeah. just, they buy it because it's kind of got In the news. Right. But that might be too late. You missed the opportunity. <laughs> but you want to get it on the front end and right. then ride it up. So the game gives you scenarios to learn it that way, too. So, so that's what's stock. So then, so that's one example. Another example would be like real estate, I'm sure, is involved yeah. in that because yeah. he's big in real estate, right? Absolutely. But what I was going to say about the stock is like if you bought it low at $10 and sell it later at 30 that might give you income to go buy the rental property. Right. So they work hand in hand. So then you might get an opportunity. Well, here's a house. It has negative cash flow of $100, but you can buy it for 55000 but it's worth 95000 So that might be a good buy, even though it's a negative cash flow, because now your strategy is to flip it and get money there. So there's a lot of different scenarios that the cards bring at you that you have to synthesize. And it's also, you're teaching them areas maybe a student wouldn't kind of be aware that all those opportunities are are there for them if they pursue them. This is the analogy I give. We could all go to driver's ed and learn how to drive a car, but it's a big different thing to get on 285 and actually drive. Right. And that's what this game does. It gives you the opportunity to practice. In a safe In a safe environment before you get out there in real life. Or if you pay attention and learn in the game, you should knock it out the park when you get into real life. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So now, how'd you get involved in this? Well, again, I, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad book a long time ago. And you just it, read the book and you're like, I'm going to start oh, pursuing that, it. It, it changed kind of really my whole your life? corporate philosophy, what I thought I was going to do. Really? Oh, yeah. I thought I just was told. So what path were you on before? Well, get a job, work 30 years, retire, get the watch and be happy. That's so, what I thought it was. So that's how you thought your career would go. Yeah. I, I thought being wealthy was a matter of inheritance, who you marry, or if you're an entertainer athlete. I didn't think you really could do anything about it. Really? And this, his philosophy, the way Robert teaches, shows you how the average person can become wealthy based on the choices of what you're doing today with your money. What a lot of the um, unwealthy people do is they buy a liability, like, example, a new car or something. Right. Money that Things take, that aren't kind of growing yeah, in value. Yeah. And, you know, I, I thought that was prestigious. I thought that was wealth. Mm-hmm. But then I understood later as I got older and got into business and got my education, what real wealth was. And so if you just switch what you're doing, I'll, I'll give a quick example. There's also a philosophy to own nothing but control everything. Mm-hmm. So the idea is, yeah, you might want a nice car that has a $400 a month car payment. But instead of Todd Campbell buying the car, what if Todd had an LLC, bought a rental property, and the rent, the profit from that rental property paid the note? Right. 
it's, it's just, just a, a way of it's thinking. A, it's a mindset. Absolutely. And that's what the Rich Dad book is all about. Changing the mindset and then the game, applying that, seeing how you do it. Now, Erica, uh, when you uh, found out about Todd and this uh, line of thinking, that kind of dovetails nicely into an entrepreneurial mindset, right? Absolutely. Because what we find one of the top reasons consistently why most small businesses fail continues to be continues to revolve around insufficient capital. Mm -hmm. And many students, they are really just learning how to take care of themselves real well. And some of them don't do that often. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Calling, I don't know how often you get phone calls from your child here at Georgia State. Mine calls Mm -hmm. quite frequently also. So we find that there is a direct correlation between your personal financial habits and the business financial habits of which these students are learning at the same time at a very, very rapid speed. So we felt that it was incredibly important to see if we can assist them on the personal financial side to help them make better decisions as they're looking at their business finances. Right. And it goes again, aligned with this entrepreneurial thinking of this is you have control over this. This doesn't have to be you going along for the ride. You don't have to, like you said, Todd, get a job and just hope everything works out at the end. Mm -hmm. You can make investments and and make choices that maybe are going to benefit you down the road. Mm -hmm. And and it might be feel painful today, but it's an investment in tomorrow. Life is about decisions. And our goal at Launch GSU is to provide the students with as much education and information as possible to help them make the best decisions and mitigate as much risk as they can. So speaking of students, who'd you bring with you? We got a couple students here. We sure do. We have Miss Tia Forbes. Tia is a member at Launch GSU, but more importantly, she is a PhD student here studying at Georgia State. She is a first-time professor this semester. And in addition to being a member and a professor, she is also assisting us in participating in workshops and programs. Tia is a repeat workshop, um, has, has a repeat workshop. This is the second time that she's doing her disrupting your comfort zone workshop, which will be featured on September 26th, the same week as we're doing the cash flow game. So you want to kick off with her? Absolutely. I'd love. All right. Welcome Tia. Hi, thank you. Uh, remember get in there close, uh, part of your, I guess you're a many hyphenate, right? You, so you're a PhD student, you're a professor, you're also an entrepreneur. Yes. How did they all come together? Uh, and on a very long and winding path, um, I started off in media and content development at a, mar- at a large media con- organization here in Atlanta. And after leaving there, I was also a teacher in sixth through eighth grade education. After that, so you were a middle school teacher. Absolutely. And so, so that was your first career path was being a school teacher. Yes. So you went to school, said, "I'm going to be a teacher." I went to school and said I was going to be a lawyer. A lawyer. <laughs> yes. So then you landed on teaching. I landed on teaching and entertained and ended up in the entertainment industry. Okay. So how does how do you make that jump? I made that jump because once I graduated from college, the IT bubble popped. Mm-hmm. And so in thinking, well, what do I actually want to do with my life versus what people told me I wanted to do with right. my life? And that, that a lot of students go through that, right? Absolutely. Like they're kind of pushed down a path that maybe they don't know one way or another, and maybe they're not passionately kind of geared one way or another. They just go along for the ride. Absolutely. And it was now my time to live my life and figure out what that actually looked like for me. And then how did that epiphany, like how did that moment, was there a moment where you're like, you know what, this is kind of not for me? It was, it was more like karma 
I was in the middle of, or actually very much towards the end of finishing my management information systems degree in, in Florida. And the IT bubble popped and all these $100,000 jobs that were promised to these students were no longer available. Right. So what do you do next when you've made this large plan for your life, right. but that plan no longer applies because the elements involved have now expired or gone away? And it was at that point that I said, okay, how do I actually want to live my life? Right. And I decided to hop on a plane to L.A. And then so you jump on a plane and you land in L.A. and then... Just jobs started coming your way. Like, well, how, how do you, I mean, a lot of people take that flight. This is true. <laughs> this is true. So before I hopped on that plane, I got online and I started looking for entertainment jobs. And I got lucky and it ended up working at Maverick Production Studios, which is the studio that was owned by Madonna. Uh-huh. And so they took me on as an intern where I learned how to read scripts, what things were, you know, more so for films and television, what they were looking for. That was an education within itself. Sure. Uh, in order to provide for myself, I became a teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you were working there as an intern at minimal or no pay? No pay. No pay. Yeah. And then still going to school to be a teacher or you already had your teaching certificate? At this point, I'm literally in the, in Compton and Watts and Inglewood in sixth to eighth grade classes. Wow. So yes. that must have been a lot of fun. That was an adventure, <laughs> if I would say so. It's a lot of material for entertainment, I'm sure. It was a lot of material, but more so than anything, it, it jump-started my thought process of what I actually thought of teaching mm-hmm. and how people and how I actually looked at teaching not just students, but adults right yeah so now you do that for how long i do that for five years five years Mm -hmm. and then still the whole five years at maverick or you bounced around i bounced around and moved over to paramount where Mm -hmm. i was work where i was now working and actually making money in the story development of a space so how do you navigate that like that's just your hustle like how are you pulling that off because that that's tricky it is tricky and so i literally in in getting to la one of the things you have to be is very friendly very amicable and you got to be able to meet people right so a lot of what i did was got to know a lot of like call like other people who went to other colleges who were in this space really Mm -hmm. making friends and it was my network who got me from position to position letting me know what was available and then so an opportunity would come up and you would interview meet the people and then you kind of go to the next opportunity. Absolutely, because I still had a, devi- a, a desire to be in entertainment, but more so as a producer. So now that's great advice for students networking, right, Erica? Those Absolutely. Are, see, these are things like it seems like you have obstacles in front of you, but there's a book called The Obstacle is the Way. Yes. So the obstacles are part of the path. They're not things you avoid. You just embrace them, lean into them, and then lots of things come about from that you absolutely have to lean in it's it's it if you look at it as oh i'm never going to go over i'm never going to you know overcome this then it becomes it becomes a bigger mountain right than it's it insurmountable and it doesn't have to be and it doesn't have to be you know you have to attack it with enthusiasm and know that you know what this too shall pass right so now you're going through this and you're navigating these waters and you're kind of growing in your career and you say Again, another pivot occurs, right? A pivot occurs. The pivot that occurs is that the the WGA, the Writers Guild of America, um, they basically stopped working because they they went on strike. They went on strike, which wasn't hard because we were already collecting a number of scripts from different writers because we knew that the strike was coming. 
But the problem is that the day the writers the writers came to an agreement, the actors guild struck. Right. So we can write, we can produce, but we can't act. Right. But so, is that where all the reality shows started popping up? Yes. And where Atlanta became one of the biggest places for film for film people on the backhand side to now hop on a plane and come. Right. So then you came back to the East Coast. I moved. I moved back to the East Coast and I moved to Atlanta. And I at that point I decided that I didn't want to be an attorney anymore. Right. But I definitely wanted my MBA, and I wanted to work in business. And is that where GSU came in? That is where. No, no, no. Actually, <laughs> um, I, I I attained my MBA here in Atlanta, here in Georgia, and at the same time, the, literally the a month before I graduated, I got my first job at CNN. Uh huh. So now you're at CNN, working in program and talent development for the executives, creating new shows and bringing on new on air talent. So that's fantastic opportunity. It was an amazing opportunity. I, you know, as a a young black woman uh, working with all of these executives with all of this experience, being able to ask a caveat of questions, traveling with them, and learning how a major network uh, really moved was amazing and fascinating. I could not have chosen a better path for life or been given to me. So now, at some point, you got to GSU. Yes. So, like I said, a, a long and winding path. Um, about four years into working at CNN, uh, we had our first, you know, time of letting people go. And I was in that first group. And it was at this point that I said, what, what happens next for me? I'm 35. What happens next? And I decided that I wanted to start a business. And I start a business called the Knack Brand. It, and this is the first time you've had your own business? Or were you always, when you were doing these different jobs, did you have kind of side things? No, this was my very first business of but, my own. So that's a own. different, that's a mental shift too, right? Absolutely. As opposed to now I have, you know, when you're working for somebody, they're your boss. And now your clients, you've got a lot of bosses now, right? Yes. Now you have a <laughs> lot of bosses. <laughs> But the problem was the area that I chose, I loved teaching and training because I had already been an educator. And I took a lot of the skills that I had learned at CNN of on program and talent development, helping people to become more media ready, um, helping people to become more media ready and and shifted that into a business of my own because people were still people still remembered me from my CNN days and wanted media training. Right. So then, so what's the Knack brand? So the Knack brand is a small firm boutique professional development for entrepreneurs. I focus on lifestyle design, accountability, emotional intelligence, and media training. And then, so who's a client? My average client is actually a millennial entrepreneur. Those who are just getting started between that first and third year and sometimes that serial entrepreneur Mm -hmm. who have never had any sort of media training or don't know what to what they may encounter in being in podcast or on television. And then uh, so now they're I guess they started their business. They get some traction and then they come to you to um, take advantage and leverage some of the media opportunities that are out there. The hope that well. To, to leverage the, to leverage the opportunities, you really need a public relations person. I'm the person you come to before you get that public relations person. Because you don't, you just don't know what may happen if you're sitting in a podcast or in an interview and someone asks you an inflammatory question and now you've responded and it may affect your business. Mm -hmm. So I'm the person who helps you prepare for that. And then, um, so how did you start getting clients? Uh, well, once I, once I left CNN and I was, I now once again tapped into my network and I had 
good friends who were chefs and architects and, and people like that. And they knew my television experience. And they took me to a food festival. Mm-hmm. My chef t- which friend took me to a food festival where I met all of these reality television chefs. And everyone wanted media training because what they didn't want is to look super angry or super emotional or super upset when things happen. They knew that media rise that worked on the television but if you're if you're always the over emotional overacting you know professional that may not always get land you a long-term job on television right so a lot of chefs part of their career path is being on television Absolutely. in some way, manner yes so there's a lot of opportunity in that space yes now how'd you get involved with the um the launch GSU incubator. Once I decide, once I got to a point in my business where I realized that my co- my my clientele was asking me questions that I couldn't answer, I applied for a PhD. I needed to be in a space where I needed to learn how people learned. And so I applied for the learning sciences program and I immediately came looking for the College of Business, what was here on entrepreneurship and looking for people who could be participants in the kind of research that I wanted to apply. And that's how I found Launch. And then what is the research you're trying to you're working on? A lot of the research that I focus on is how people learn soft skills and e-learning environments. I really focus on very specifically their emotional intelligence, their accountability. And then, but through an e-learning vehicle, but which is your, tricky, that's... Because that's not human to human there. Right? right. It's very tricky. But in the in the society that we're living in, most people, a, a number of people are doing either hybrid courses or complete courses online. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not getting these skills necessarily at home or the level of skills that you may need in order to survive in the work world, you're going to have to find a space where you can learn these soft skills or see them or be able to discuss them in an online environment. And to me, that's a challenge because the results, if you're dealing with people um, in person, might be different than they are online. And to, how do you even know that you're not doing it right? Or, you know, like, how do you have the self-awareness to kind of be good at this? Absolutely. So because I, util- and that's one of the reasons why I chose learning sciences, because we have to figure out the how people learn. Everyone learns in a very different way. They are very unique mm-hmm. in their brains. But of course, we can't have a multiple millions of ways for people to learn. Right. So in utilizing the online space and in understanding the research that's out there for online learning, I can then take these techniques and apply them, apply the research to the way I teach people how they, to use soft skills, how they can discuss this in a more of a hybrid fashion, utilizing online, online learning and modules along with live face-to-face conversations and discussions and mastermind groups so that they can master these skills. And then practice them. And practice them, yes. So now, uh, once you got to know uh, the folks at Launch GSU, how has that been? They have been my participants more so than anything. It's been fascinating to be able to see the multitude of entrepreneurs from all across the different colleges and be able to have, you know, have conversations about how they learn their soft skills and what things that they're thinking about. Because I want to make sure that any course or any workshop that I give is relevant to their actual lives. And so being able to talk to them and really do interview, uh, interview them has been really, really great. And then uh, any surprises? Yes. Uh, the freshmen and the sophomores have been some of my best research participants or people that I've been speaking so to. So when you say best, what does best mean to you? They're open. They they are more likely to answer a question with very brute honesty. 
So they're more vulnerable in that they're not kind of putting on airs. They're telling you the truth. They're telling you the absolute truth about how they feel um, in a way that uh, as you get older, you learn tact and I don't want to hurt this person's feelings or you'll just say, yeah, and kind of move on. Not the not your younger groups. Your younger groups are telling you the absolute truth. So now that requires different skills then, right? Absolutely. It doesn't it, it requires a thicker skin, of course, but it also it also requires an appreciation of that level of honesty that they're giving you. Now, what about uh, having so many generations in the workforce? How do they navigate? You know, that brute honesty may work good amongst their peers, but maybe somebody in a different generation might not appreciate that. It does not work well against their <laughs> peers. And so that is part of what one of the reasons why I love being able to speak with them because being in the middle of these generations, not old old enough to know better, but young enough to understand, I'm able to bridge that gap and create workshops and retreats and programs that allow them to say, okay, when you're thinking about your honesty, it's not that you shouldn't be honest, but let's t- let's think about the way you say this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now uh, what's next? What's next for me? Uh, actually, we're de- I'm developing a website and thinking about an app. Actually, the Georgia State have had a lot of funding opportunities for entrepreneurs. And one of the things that my professors and my advisors in the entrepreneurship innovation space has told me is that seeing as this is needed, you should think about possibly putting these workshops into an app, um, really thinking about how people live, really getting them aware and figuring out how soft skills can play in this space. So Erica, this must be a proud moment for you to see this kind of everything kind of coalesce in this manner with, with, uh, Tia. Absolutely. And having access to Tia and the things that she's working on, she's learning things in the classroom and doing her studies working towards her dissertation and bringing that directly back to launch GSU, which is wonderful. We were so excited about the programming that she brought to the space last semester and, and received such good response that again, we're, we're hosting her disrupting your comfort zone workshop at the end of this month on the 26th. Now what Tia, grab that mic again. I got one more thing for you. You don't need the headphones, but uh, what is the website if somebody wants to get a hold of you for uh, media training? You're still doing that, right? Yes, I am still doing that. The best way for them to reach me is via Instagram or social media because I am posting every day. I do workshops every day. I even do Instagram lives and Facebook lives mm-hmm. and it's at the Knack brand. You can, no one else is out there with that name. Mm-hmm. So if you put the Knack brand, K-N-A-C-K brand, you will find me. Good stuff. Well, Tia, thank you so much for sharing your story. So Erica, who's the headliner? So of course, being at Launch GSU, we have over 100 active members doing almost 80 workshops every year. And I am not a woman on an island by herself. I need support. Absolutely. And as I mentioned previously, one of my amazing student assistants graduated from Georgia State and accepted her first position with another launch member, leaving a void and a vacancy. So I conducted a search over the summer and through CEO was able to be introduced to an amazing young lady who has joined my team as the marketing student assistant, but also is working on her small business, Miss Cameron Gear. Welcome, Cameron. Hi, happy to be here. You learn anything? Got a lot of smart people in this room. Oh, absolutely. I'm learning as I listen. It's wonderful to be exposed to all these people and hear their stories. So now what drew you to the entrepreneurship and the launch GSU? I was always interested in starting my own business. Um, 
my parents have both sides of my family have owned their own businesses at one point in their time. And it was something I was always interested in. And starting university, I had the access to all these resources available to me, like Launch GSU and CEO Collegiate Entrepreneurs Organization that provided me with access to people and resources and guidance. So now you come in there and uh, you come to school here at GSU, right? Yes, sir. I am a junior. So first day, do you just go and look for the entrepreneurs? Like, uh, how did you kind of come up, come upon them? Well, the before the first day, um, I made it my mission to know everything about my university. So I been born, raised here in Atlanta, and was familiar more or less with the city and therefore with GSU campus. So before classes officially started, when I moved into my dorm, I walked the campus with my roommates. So for those who were, um, they were not as closely um, familiar with the city of Atlanta. So I showed them the different buildings here to make it easier for them to navigate. And at the same time, I was learning about other resources that I had not known about the campus. Um, So yes, essentially I did literally walk the entire campus and find out what was available to me. So is that where you found uh, Launch GSU Incubator? You just came about, oh, here, look, what is this? (laughs) I found out about Launch GSU just as it was getting started because we're in our two-year anniversary now. Two years ago, I was a freshman. So um, I found out about it through my orientation class, GSU 1010. And I walked into the building and I was amazed um, with it. And then again, later on that year, I went to the Entrepreneurs Showcase and officially met Miss Erica Bracey for the first time. And she told me herself about all the things Launch GSU has to offer if you were a member. Now, did you have a business at that point? I did not have a business. I had a business idea since junior year of high school. And from that point on up until now, still, I'm gathering information and resources, building my network um, to make me more comfortable to launch it when I'm not so busy with classes. So you've had this idea for four years now? Yes, sir. Erica, four years with an idea? Absolutely. Timing is everything, and it's all about information. And one of the incredible things that drew me to Cameron and wanted her on my team is, as she just mentioned, she is a seeker of information. Right. We talked earlier about how we spread the message of Launch GSU to the students. Many students still are not aware that we're here. But what I love about Cameron is she says, I want to know everything that my money is paying for. And she has done just that. I wish more students were like her because the resources are here. She is an incredible wealth of knowledge. She is a seeker of information, which will serve her, serve her well. And now she's in the space where I will provide assistance, coaching, guidance as much as she'll, she'll take and want to help point her in the right direction so she can make the decision of when and how she wants to launch this amazing idea that she has. Now, um, when an entrepreneur comes to you and they have their research minded like Cameron is at some point you have to coach them. They have to take some sort of action, Mm -hmm. right? We have Mm -hmm. to have some sort of discovery. Is this thing viable? Because a lot of times ideas, a lot of people think the idea is the hard part. But a lot of times it's the execution. It's all about the execution. I have lots of mantras. One of my favorite is, you know, it's not about the idea and it's not my job to judge whether your idea is good or bad. It's all about execution because the market will decide. Absolutely. A 
a phenomenal idea with mediocre execution will always underperform a mediocre idea with phenomenal management and execution. So it it starts with the plan. And of course, as you know, you ask 100 business people about a business plan, you'll get 100 different answers. My philosophy is it's not about the actual document, but it's about the process. Let's think through all of the different steps of a business plan and set some benchmarks for yourself to make some decisions on when and how to launch or not. All right, Cameron, let's put you in the hot seat. All right. What's this business idea? The business idea is called Literary Ambassadors. And like I said, I got the idea in my junior year at in high school um, at DeKalb School of the Arts. So we went over the summer to Europe. And I am a book reader. I love learning information. And I read this book called The Da Vinci Code by Dan Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, these characters are basically based in Europe in which they get to go to France and Britain of these countries solving mysteries and murders ultimately. So I just happened to be going on this trip that I've been reading about where my characters went and I loved the book so much. And I got to go to London and Paris and see where they walked, see them to see the puzzles, what exactly they were seeing that was written in the book. Exactly. It came to life like a Disney, a visitor going to Disney world. She gets to see her princesses come to life that she's only seen on the screen. So it just augmented that experience already. I was in a place I'd never been before, but it felt like I had. And I wanted to share that experience with other people and, and encourage reading at the same time. So Literary Ambassadors provides a, a experience in which you get to go to the places you've read about and walk in the footsteps of your characters. So now... How would it work for the, in this specific case of the Da Vinci Code? In the specific case of the Da Vinci Code, um, you would start at one of the highlighted places in the book is Paris. Um, everyone, a lot of people know about Paris already. They know right. about the Eiffel Tower. They, they know don't know about how, the it, how it played out in the book. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So the idea is you read the book and we offer this package deal where you get to go to Paris and walk literally how the characters walked. Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, the main character, um, the the main story of the book is a murder in which you're in the Louvre and you get to see where this happened um, in your imagination. Now you're standing where it happened. And then a tour guide would take you through kind of what happens in the book and you can see exactly what the characters were seeing at the time. Exactly. So that's a great idea. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> And then now in your mind, you would have ambassadors around the world and teach them, coach them up on different books. And so fans of those books could then hire them to go around the world. I mean, not, but like if they're in Paris, they can go to certain things that are Paris centric, or if they went to Atlanta, there's certain books that are Atlanta centric. Exactly. And so um, these are already places people go to already. People go to Paris, people go to London. But they don't see it in this manner. Exactly. So that's the the audience I want to target. And even encourage other people to want to try it out. Right. So um, now you're learning kind of the different steps to put in place in order to make this dream come true. Exactly. Yes. Um, under Miss Bracey's consultation over the summer, I intru- I told her my idea, and she encouraged me to write a business draft a business plan, which I did. And I showed her my business plan in another consultation meeting, and she encouraged me to do research um, in the niche that I'm trying to target, which would be um, educational tourism, essentially. So I went to the GSU library and I met with the very knowledgeable librarians about 
what resources to look for and what to read and in order to know exactly how I want to go about doing this. So now what's your biggest fear when it comes to this? My biggest fear I would imagine is the security. I don't really have an issue with starting it, um, with making the connections. That's what I'm trying to do now. It's in terms of ensuring that my package deals when I take these essentially students, young adults abroad, that they feel safe and their parents feel safe with sending them to a country they've probably never been before. So so your model is based on um, traveling in a group to these different locations? Exactly. Around certain books? Exactly. And then your, I guess the baby step to start is, do you start with the book first? The baby step is to start with well-known books or um, best-selling books that are already highly ranked and people would already know something about feel passionate exactly. about them and they'd want to experience this yes sir so is da vinci code is that the first one yes that's my favorite one um and then there are other books i'm looking into classics um classic books that i can create different kinds of routes across the world rather than just focusing in france and then your dream of dreams is for you to be the tour guide or to have a network of tour guides all over the place? My dream of dream is to have the tour guides. It'd be wonderful to go on a few every now and then. <laughs> but ultimately, I would like to be the head honcho. So yes. now um, now that you're part of Launch GSU and, and now you're taking the steps to make this a reality, do you have a timeline? Do I have a timeline? Yes. Um, so like I said, I am a junior here. My timeline is to have my research completed um, by the end of this semester. That way I can actually pitch my idea for funding um, and develop a full team, because right now I'm on my own, a full team that can help me launch this this before I graduate so I can already have it up and running by the time I graduate. Exciting times. It is. Absolutely. Yes, it is. Getting all these people with ideas and helping make their dreams come true. Absolutely. And just pointing them in the right direction. Again, when we were talking about research, I didn't need to send Cameron across town or to Norcross or Estelle. I sent her two blocks to the library. (laughs) And that's one of my favorite workshops. I mentioned that the librarians, they come over once a semester and do a program called marketing research for entrepreneurs you don't have to spend a whole lot of money the resources are right here people just don't know but miss gear had was not interested in waiting until that workshop came around (laughs) again she went and scheduled an appointment and sought out the information for herself and that's the key taking absolutely absolutely so cameron what's your favorite part what's my favorite part with launch gsu yeah my favorite part is the access um that's one word that can mean a lot of things, but essentially access to not only a creative space, but to people who um, motivate me and encourage me to do what I want to do and help me doing so. And I like to think I in turn help them in some way. So now what advice do you have for um, students that are out there that maybe aren't leveraging launch GSU as much as they could be? To my fellow college students, be you freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, or untraditional student, I would advise you, encourage you um, to know what you're paying for. Um, if you're not paying for it personally, someone is for you to be a student here. So get to know your resources. Um, your resources. That doesn't mean, um, even if you don't want to be an entrepreneur, there are plenty of other resources available to you. Launch GSU, like we were saying, um, isn't just for the business major. It's for people who 
yes, want to start their own business, but also may want to be part of that process. So if you're a coder, for example, and not interested in starting your own business, that's fine. You can be part of the team of someone who does want to start their own business. Do what you love to do with someone else who wants to do what they love to do. Now, do you find that this is kind of a mindset shift for some people? Like they think like, I'm going to go to school, I'm going to get a degree, I'm going to get a job, and then I'm going to work. And then you're kind of taking the bull by the horns here and saying, I'm going to make my own path. I'm going to do my own thing. I do think um, everyone doesn't have the mindset like how Tia was saying people learn differently. That's because we're all unique. Um, For me, you say taking the bull by the horns by and I don't say this to sound arrogant, but I was raised that way since day one. So it's to me, it's not a jump. It's how I was raised. So yes, I would say for those who want, who want to do something different, they may have to change their mindset in order to do something different. Right. But for you, this is just kind of a logical progression. Yes. And Todd, I'm going to let you jump in here. And uh, you see the mindset of Cameron is not a, normal mindset the average Absolutely. mindset right that's yeah. different thinking uh if anything i'm a little bit more envious because <laughs> if i had these opportunities back right. when i was in school i'd be a millionaire today right and that's the thing i say about the robert kiyosaki and rich dad poor dad if i was introduced to that thinking and had these tools how much further ahead would i have been and erica this is really where the rubber hits the road right because gsu has so many resources all the information is here it's all right. All of it. Da- you know, steps away from everybody. All the information to be as rich as you want to be is right here. Is right at your fingertips. And it's funny you ask. Um, we're fine. I think the entire reason why we're sitting here today is many of these students realize two things. One, the opportunity to finish college get a job in the ivory tower for 30 years and get the watch. There are not that many of those slots available. That opportunity is getting smaller and smaller, but in addition, many of these students don't want to do this. They have a completely different mindset. They want to do their own thing. And it just so happens that Georgia state university, we practice what we preach. We listen to our students and realize that they need additional resources and support, which is how we started from 99, the HJ Russell center for entrepreneurship to ENI in 2016 and then now launch 2017. And we're just a small part of the entire entrepreneurial ecosystem here at Georgia State University. There are other avenues that we didn't even bring up today, CMII, the Creative Media Industries Institute, and then, of course, our social entrepreneurship endeavor with the Andrew Young School of Policy Studies. So I am just fortunate to be a part of this entire entrepreneurial ecosystem here at Georgia State and want to help these students bring their dreams to reality any way I can. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today. If somebody wants to learn more about Launch GSU, what are the coordinates? 58 Edgewood Avenue, first and foremost, our doors are always open. We want to invite all the students to come and participate in our programming, and they can learn about the upcoming programming that we have at our website, which is launch.gsu.edu, L-A-U-N-C-H dot G-S-U dot E-D-U. And then you can find Launch GSU altogether at most of the social media Absolutely. Uh, We are on all things social. Cameron is working very hard to make sure that we keep that up to date at Launch GSU, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that.
Good stuff. And then, Todd, before we go, um, any coordinates for you and your business that you want to share? Website, anything? Or you want to just point them to that workshop? Yeah, to the workshop. It's, yeah, this is really a service that the fraternity wants to do for the community, focusing on young adults. So Cash flow, yeah. that's the key. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for sharing your story today. This is Lee Cantor. We will see you all next time on GSU ENI Radio.